0: I don't know how you all feel about um, prayer and fasting. Are you all excited? Some of you are, that's great. Well, I need to confess that sometime around November and into December, I start thinking about it. I start thinking about stocking up at Christmas. And a lot of my flesh is not to be honest, too thrilled about the idea of prayer and fasting. You might be, that's wonderful, God bless you and your... But I think about it, I think sometimes, okay, this is something I'm going to have to kind of push through and do and whatever. And then something begins to happen the closer I get to the time when prayer and fasting starts. And what's happened to me this year is that there was a moment, uh, Julia and I were living in, uh, she was in China, or I was in, uh, here in Canada... We'd prayed felt like it I prayed felt like it was time to invite Julia to come here and uh, and see if she wanted to marry me we were just friends we hadn't gone out we hadn't dated or anything like that and um, so I phoned her up I heard she was back in England and I phoned her up and I asked her to come out here and meet with me and come and spend three weeks and I remember what it felt like on a subsequent phone call, when she said she was going to come. And it was in January, it was in our prayer and fasting, and she was going to come in March. But something happened inside of me, because I knew she was coming. That same feeling has been happening to me this last week as we approach prayer and fasting. Because in the midst of giving up food and all the rest of it, Jesus is going to meet us. His presence is with us. I just want to take the verse that Ron looked at there and go back a verse. He mentioned it before in Matthew chapter 18. This is what Jesus says in verses 18 to 20, all the way through. He says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. When Ron and I talked and shared about what we wanted to share this morning with you before the prayer and fasting, Ron felt God had spoken to him about the presence of God in prayer and fasting, the presence of God in our lives and being in the presence of Jesus. I felt what God put in my heart was this thing of agreement in prayer. That as we face this journey that we have as a congregation and as a church, how important it is for us to come together in agreement in prayer. And it's right here in these verses. And I can sum up what Jesus is saying in these verses in this phrase. Agreement together in prayer, aligned under the will of God, releases heavenly authority into the earth. Let me read that for you again. Agreement in prayer, aligned under the will of God, releases heavenly authority into the earth. I just want to say a couple of things to us out of what Jesus is saying in these verses this morning. And the first is this. There is power in agreement. The word for agree in the Greek is the word symphoneo. From which we get the word symphony. It means to harmonize. It means bringing together all those instruments that make different sounds and and play at different pitches and give them a score and bring them together under a conductor and make them come together into beautiful music, symphoneo. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about agreement. People coming together, all our different uh, personalities, the way that we do things, our different hopes and our different dreams, blending us together, the different nations, the different generations, harmonizing us together, symphoneo. And there's a power in that symphoneo, even if it's not in the will of God. The people who are listening to Jesus might have thought back over their history, And remember that back in the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 11, there's an incredible story because it talks about all the people on earth being together in one place and having one language. And they all get together and they decide together that they are going to build a a city so that they're not going to be dispersed. Well, right there is a problem because God had told them to fill the earth and subdue it. Which meant going out. But they wanted to stay together. And so they wanted to build a city so that they stayed together. And they wanted to build a tower that would reach up into the heavens. In their own strength, in their own power, reaching up to become something by themselves. And God came down to watch what they were doing. And when he saw what they were doing, he said something fascinating. Let me read it to you out of Genesis 11 and chapter six and verse 6. Behold, he says, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Do you know that before the Bible says nothing is impossible with God, the Bible says nothing will be impossible with mankind? If they are in symphoneo together and it is God who says it. There is incredible power in agreement, even if it's not a good power. This idea had not come from God. It had come from them. And when you listen to it, it sounds suspiciously like the heart of the devil who wanted to rise up into the heavens and be all that he could be beyond what God had created him to be. There is power in agreement. What did God do? God said this, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech, so the Lord dispersed them from there over all the face of the earth. Does that mean that God didn't want people to be in unity together? Does that mean that God no longer wants humans to understand and walk in the power and the authority that they have from being in agreement together? Now listen to Jesus again. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. God doesn't have a problem with us rediscovering the power of agreement. God doesn't have a problem with us even wanting to reach into heaven. He wants us in heaven with him. And he immediately started to put that plan into action to bring us into heaven in him with him right in the next chapter in Genesis chapter 12. But those people had not agreed together around God's plan. They'd agreed together around their plan. There is power in agreement, but it needs to be channeled in the right direction, which brings me to my second point this morning. Authority in prayer comes from alignment with the will of God. We've already seen that coming into agreement together is very powerful. But that doesn't mean Jesus is saying you can just agree about anything. Two of you can agree about anything you want. And it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. How do we know that? Well, we know that because a few chapters earlier... In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught them how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray, first of all, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and then pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In that context, when Jesus says that we need to come into agreement together in prayer, he means coming into agreement together around what the will of God is. Coming into true alignment. And when we do, there's a symphonia of prayer that happens. There's a symphonia of a sound that happens in heaven when we agree. Just two or three of us agree. How much more when a whole congregation of us agree? There's a symphonia of prayer in heaven before the throne of grace that makes a difference on the earth. And it should change the way that we pray. It's okay to pray prayers of pleading before God, prayers of desperation before God. We pray them all the time and God hears them all the time. Jesus prays those prayers. But when we come into agreement together in the will of God, we understand what God's will is. And we understand that we have agreement together in that will. Our prayers can turn from pleading into proclaiming. From desperately trying to get a hold of something in God to knowing you have a hold of something in God and decreeing it into being. There is authority in our prayers. And God is not frightened of us having the authority that he has given us. He gave it to us. And he wants us to walk in it and exercise in it. The disciples might be thinking back. Again, just a couple of chapters. They were in a boat. They were being tossed about in the sea. Jesus is asleep in the boat these disciples know how to get across the ocean but they think they're about to die they've never been in a storm like this and survived it and they cry out their prayers of desperation save us Lord we're perishing that's what I would pray they wake Jesus at the front of the boat Jesus fully man as well as fully God, at the front of this boat, feeling all that they're feeling, fear probably knocking on his door too, because he's tempted in every way just as we are. But when he stands up, he doesn't pray a pleading prayer. Because he knows it's not the will of God that he drowns in this ocean. He knows this is not his time to go down. And so he stands up on the front of that boat and instead of pleading up into heaven, he knows what the will of God is and he proclaims and he decrees to the ocean and to the weather around him, peace, be still. And it settles down right away. There is authority when we're aligned under the will of God. You might say, well, that's Jesus. Of course the wind's quiet and down. He's the son of God, isn't he? yes he is but Jesus came to earth not only to get us our salvation and to purchase for us our salvation on the cross but to teach us how to live this is his example when you're in the boat and the storms throwing around it feels like you're going down what is the will of God in this situation if you don't know the will of God go ahead and plead I would save us Lord I'm perishing but if together in the boat we decide you know what in the will of God we don't believe this is our time for going down then can I encourage you don't plead but proclaim Stand up in that boat and speak to that storm and say, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, calm down. Because you are a son of the living God. You are a daughter of the living God. And God has given you authority in the place of prayer. A little while later we know the story. Peter and John coming into the temple and they see a lame man. They don't pray pleading prayers over the lame man because they know what God wants to do. Instead of praying pleading prayers up there, they bring a decree from heaven down here. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He does an interesting thing. He reaches out. And takes hold of his right hand why his right hand it speaks of two things it speaks of the authority of God coming down through Peter into this man's life and it speaks of the right hand of fellowship laying hold of his right hand and he lifts him up and strength comes into his ankles from the moment the right arms grip there is power an authority in prayer when we are aligned with the will of God. And we need, Gateway, we need that authority like never before. When I was praying about this morning, I felt the Lord say to me, Peter, tell them about the authority they have in the name of Jesus. And encourage them to exercise that authority. How can we posture ourselves ourselves? if we want to move forward in these things at the beginning of this year. Let me give you three very quick things. Ron's already touched on some of them. First of all, it means that we're going to need to develop a deeper level of hearing. We need to hear God, be able to hear his will and his way, but also be able to hear each other. You know, in a family, if you're wanting to come to a decision together, a big decision in a family, it doesn't just happen in one discussion. I mean, it might do in your home, but it doesn't in my home it takes more than one discussion you have to come around it a few times and you have to learn how to hear people say things that you don't like them saying isn't that right you have to learn to listen even when you want to react calm down and listen we have to learn to listen to each other we have to learn to listen to god Secondly, Ron touched on this as well. Develop a deeper level of honesty. If we're going to have true agreement, we need to be honest together. You can't just agree about everything. If I come to you and say, I want you to agree with me, then I'm going to have a Ferrari, a cruise ship, a castle in Germany, three French hens, two turtle ducks, and a partridge in a pear tree. By the end of this year... I hope before you say, yes, I'm going to agree with you in prayer, you're going to say, Pete, can I just ask you a few questions about that? About that pear tree, it's a bit much. Maybe somebody's going to come and say, you know, I want you to agree with me because my boss at work is not treating me right. So I want you to agree in prayer that God removes that boss and gives us another one or better still, makes me the boss. That might be what God wants. But you might want to pray that through. Do some listening prayer. Ask some awkward questions. What's really going on here? Is God using this boss to touch something in your life? And if he is, we better not be asking God to move the boss away. We might be needing to ask God to change your heart. Right? Right? We need to be honest with each other. We're going to be handing out prayer goals tonight. We've got a few at the back. For those of you who aren't able to make it tonight, you can take them away. But we want to hand them out tonight so we can explain what they're about. We've been praying about them. We've been talking about them for a number of weeks. But you might get them and look at them and think, I I don't know if I can agree to that prayer. What do you do with that? Well, first of all, I encourage you to take it to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you say about this? And if you still have no peace, what do you do? well, you just stick the thing in your Bible and you're just not going to pray it for the rest of the year. Is that, is that how we come into agreement together? Is that how we find the authority to get? No. You need to come to us. You know what? I'm struggling a bit with this. Can you help me to understand what you meant by this and why we did this? It's difficult being honest, isn't it? I struggle with it. I don't find it easy. But if we want to come into agreement together under the line, under the will of God, and have the authority of God, all the authority of God moving through us that he wants to have us, we need to learn how to be more honest with each other. And you guys are generally great at that. But we need to grow in our honesty. And lastly, in that, we need to develop a deeper level of humility towards God and each other. There's a reason why I use the cross as the picture for what we said at the beginning about agreement and alignment and releasing authority into the world. Jesus himself modeled how to come into alignment with God, even when he struggled with it. And he modeled that, of course, at the Garden of Gethsemane. At stake was the greatest release of heavenly authority that has ever happened in this world. That was what was at stake here. His alignment was going to release the greatest release of authority from heaven into earth that we ever see or are going to see. The authority to forgive sins. The authority to satisfy the righteous judgment of God against us and to remove our punishment. The authority to heal us. The authority to bring us back to relationship with God. The authority to restore us into the very presence of the Father. And take our place as sons and daughters of God. The authority over death. The authority to reconcile and bring back together everything that our sinfulness had broken apart. Including our capacity to walk together in unity. All of that authority was at stake. Over the issue of whether Jesus was going to be able to align his will with his father or not. How did all that wonderful authority get released? One moment in time, one painful, because it was painful, aligning of a single human will to the will of God in the place of prayer. One word, nevertheless, nevertheless, that one word. That one moment, that one aligning of the will coupled with the courage and conviction to walk it out changed the course of history. My history, your history. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Through the greatest act of humility the world has ever seen came the greatest moment of alignment between man and God that there has ever been which released the most wonderful outpouring of heavenly authority into the world that has ever been and it still all exists. Everything that was decreed and declared into the earth through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ still exists here today. Forgiveness, reconciliation, healing, eternal life. You can have it all if you want to. How do I receive it? If you want to receive the good of the authority of heaven into your life, what do you need to do? You need to come into agreement and align yourself with the will of God. And it starts in prayer. And that takes humility. Yes, Lord, you're right. I'm a sinner. I deserve eternal punishment for my sin and rebellion against you. That's what I deserve. You said that the only way I could be forgiven and come into relationship with you and have eternal life is through your son, Jesus. And there is no other way. I humbly accept that as truth. I choose to agree with you. And choose right now to believe in Jesus as my savior. Receive him into my life as Lord. From now on by your grace. I want my life to line up with your will and your way for me. This is called the prayer of salvation. Because it saves us from the curse of doing things our way. And the terrible results that come from that. And releases us into the all incredible blessings of what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. You'll never pray a more important prayer. And if you've never prayed that prayer before, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a moment. How do we come into agreement? How do we align ourselves together with the will of God? How do we walk in the authority God wants to have for us? Symphonia, harmony happens through hearing, honesty, and humility. There is power in agreement. Authority in prayer comes from alignment with God. Agreement together in prayer, aligned under the will of God, releases heavenly authority into the earth. This is why we're going to encourage you this year to find partners in prayer. Obviously, for those of us who are married, that should be primarily with each other, husband and wife, in our home, in our family. There's incredible power and authority when... Couples come together in agreement in prayer. Not all of you have married partners that you can pray with. I'm going to pray that you find a partner in prayer that you can agree with in prayer. It's why we have prayer goals. So that we can agree together around those goals. And wherever we are together or apart, we can agree in prayer together and see those prayers come to pass. And it's why we believe, as Ron has said, that the prayer summit really is the most important meeting of the month. Because it's there that we harmonize our hearts and voices together around the will of God. How many of us know in our marriages, other relationships, you need to pray your way into unity. It doesn't happen unless you pray together. And as we do pray, maybe our prayers will turn from heaven requests into heavenly decrees. Releasing the authority of heaven into our world as we take our place with all humility and yet confidence as the sons and daughters of God. A church with no symphoneo is a powerless church. A church with little symphoneo is a weak church. But a church with much symphoneo is a powerful life and world-changing church. That is what God wants to have in his church. That's what he wants to have in us. By the grace of God, may we take some significant steps forward in this area over the next two weeks. Because it will serve us so well in the year that is to come. Amen.
1: Thanks, Peter. That's excellent. Well, I want to end this morning by talking about the greatest privilege of prayer. Thursday, November 4th, 1971, I encountered the presence of God for the very first time in my life. It wasn't in a church meeting. It wasn't in a conference. It was in the Denny's restaurant in Edmonton. And I was talking with a friend Who was sharing the gospel with me, and Jesus came into the restaurant. He invaded our booth, and my life was forever changed. I can't remember anything about our conversation, but I know Jesus was there. I experienced him, he was tangible. He, 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 he didn't slide into the booth in a white gown and, and sandals on his shoes, but he was there. He was real. And that forever changed my life. My eyes were open. My mind understood that Jesus was beautiful and glorious and absolutely satisfying. He was irresistible, and my heart eagerly, believed and responded to him. That is the power of the presence of God. Maybe you've never experienced God's presence. Jesus is inviting you to in 2018. Maybe somewhere along the way you've lost God's presence and your faith has become religious and dutiful and ritual. Jesus wants to restore you to his presence this year. And maybe your life is dry and thirsty. What a blessing. Because Jesus is about to bring his presence into your dryness. The greatest treasure of heaven and earth is the presence of God. Because with God's presence is everything God is. It's all his blessing, all his provision, all his power, all his healing, all his salvation, all his magnificence. And everyone in this room this morning is desperate for the presence of God. In fact, everyone in our city. Is desperate for the presence of God. They just don't know it. But God knows it because He created you and I for His presence. And nothing else will do. And that's why Jesus gave us this profound little promise in Matthew 18. Peter has set the context up, verse 19. And in verse 20, right in the middle, sandwiched in between all these relational issues and forgiveness and offense, Jesus says this, for where, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. The first thing Jesus tells us here is that gathering is very important to God. It's not so important to 21st century Canadian believers. Do you know the normal, committed church member now considers going to church once a month or twice a month plenty? Definitely not every week. And maybe or maybe not be part of a small group and and have your life joined with other people. And avoid prayer meetings as much as possible, but Jesus loves to gather his people. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter ten verse twenty five "Let us not neglect to meet together and this scripture tells us that we don 't gather around preaching. Preaching is good and necessary. We absolutely must preach and teach the word of God. But Jesus says we don't gather around preaching. And we don't gather around singing, around music, around worship. Music's wonderful. Worship's wonderful. And Will and Elise did a wonderful job in their team this morning. It's beautiful. But Jesus didn't say to gather around worship. And we definitely don't want to gather around announcements or religious practices or rituals. We gather around a person. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. That little phrase, in my name, means gathering unto Jesus to his person, to honor his presence, to meet with him, gathering under his functional lordship. That's where alignment comes in. That's what functional lordship is all about. It's about aligning with the will of God. It's about gathering for his glory and to serve his purpose. You know, personal devotions can just become Bible reading, praying, and ticking the box, but not meeting With a person. And that's why we have the Hearing God Seminar. The Hearing God Seminar is our basic equipping course. To teach you how to enter into a greater communion and intimacy with God. And that's what the Set Free Retreat is about. It's not just for people with big problems. The Set Free Retreat is for everybody. It's to help us encounter God's presence and grow in our capacity to encounter his presence, to give us a spiritual boost and lift us to another level spiritually. And that's why we have the Empower Ministers Retreat. It's that we might be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit and find our spiritual gift, our ministry gift to serve with. And just like our devotions can become ticking the box, so can it be true about our corporate gatherings. We can gather as the church, listen to the preaching of God's word, we can sing the songs, we can have good fellowship, can even pray for one another, and not be changed. But when we meet His presence, everything changes. It's not boring. We're not thinking about what we're going to do after lunch when he's present. We don't want to leave. I remember times in this very room where the presence of God was manifest. And at the end of the meeting, people didn't want to go. We just wanted to stay in his presence. Why? Because we're made for that. And when we have his manifest presence, we have everything he is. Jesus doesn't require many. He says here where just two or three are gathered in my name. Not two or three thousand or two or three hundred, just two or three. Jesus takes the minimal number. He said, look, I'll just come for a couple of you. I will be in your midst. I think that's amazing about Jesus. You know, preachers like to preach to big crowds. In fact, some preachers need big crowds. They won't preach to small crowds, but not Jesus. Jesus said, oh, I'll come if there's just a couple of you. You gather together in my name unto my presence. I'll be there. And then Jesus makes this profound promise. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be among them. I think that's the greatest promise in Scripture. And the New American Standard and the King James Version, I like the way they say it. They say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. It's a kind of play on words. I am. You remember where I am comes up in the Bible in Exodus 3 where Moses is having this discussion with the burning bush that won't be consumed. And God's trying to get him to go to Egypt to, to free his people. And he says, how can I go to Egypt? That's, that's Pharaoh. And God says, Moses, I'll be with you. And Moses said, "Well, well, then who shall I call? Like, what's your name? What should I say? Who are you? And he says... I am that I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. I am the eternal one who always existed, who always was and always is and is to come. Yahweh, the creator God, this God that Isaiah says, whose hand spans the whole universe. And he counts the trillions times trillions of stars in billions of galaxies and calls them each by name. That's the God we're talking about in our midst. I am that I am. I will be whatever you need me to be whenever you need me to be. There was a rabbinical teaching that where two or three were gathered together to study the Torah, God's shekinah glory, his Manifest presence would be among them. And Jesus uses that when he says this verse. He says, where two or three are gathered, not to the Torah, in my name. There I am in their midst. He said, I'm he. I'm the one. I am among you to change you, transform you give you peace and power and provision and protection and everything you need. And when Jesus says, I am in the midst of them, he's not referring to his omnipresence, which is his general presence everywhere all the time. He's referring to his manifest presence, his obvious, evident, noticeable, palpable presence you can touch and taste and feel. God's manifest presence is when God's person is manifest, displayed, demonstrated here and now in our midst in a tangible, experiential way. You know, this is good news for millennials. It's good news for all of us, but it's especially good news for millennials because millennials are driven by experience. And this is who God is. I'm in your midst. You can experience me and be changed forever. A number of years ago, we were in a leaders meeting just outside of London, England. And during the worship, one of the pastor's leaders stood up and he prophesied. He said, the Lord says, get low, get low, get low. The sword of the Lord is coming across my people. And when he said that, the manifest presence of God came into that room. Everybody felt it at the same time. And without saying anything, without anybody looking at anybody else and following what they were doing, everybody dropped to their knees. And some were on their faces. And we stayed in the manifest presence of God for a long time. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. You know, that's a miracle for preachers. Because he was there. And when he's there, everything changes. We experienced this right up here behind this wall. About 18 months ago in our own boardroom, our elders were having a big heated discussion about West St. Paul and what to do and what we should go, etc. And we were back and forth. It was a very heated discussion. And in, in a moment, the manifest presence of God came into the room. And everybody stopped. And then some of us just started weeping. I mean howling, weeping. And while this is going on, you're thinking, how did we go from this to this? Him. His presence. And that went on for a number of of minutes, probably 15 minutes, just this heavy, weighty presence of God in our midst. And after it lifted, we weren't the same. There was no more of this. Somehow God had done a miracle. We were united, genuinely, heartfelt. It's like a cleansing went through us. One voice, one heart, one love. That's the presence of God. And it's our birthright. God isn't withholding himself. He longs. Jesus said, look, if there's only two or three of you and you'll gather together under my presence and unto my presence, I will be there. And we know he's there. (laughs) And he changes things. He wants to meet with us. We have a grandson, Jack, our first. Grandparents, you know exactly what this is like. The rest of you are rolling your eyes thinking, oh, here comes another grandchild story, but you'll be exactly the same. When I see Jack, Jack, I just want to embrace him. He's a good baby, so that helps, but it's, who we, it, 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 it's what, how it's meant to be, and that's exactly how God, our Father, feels about us. He wants to embrace us. He wants to wants to fill our lives with who he is. And how does Jesus do this? How does Jesus come into our midst? He said in John 16, it's to your advantage I go away. Because if I don't go, he can't come. But if I go, I will send him. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. This precious spirit of Jesus, this precious third person of the Trinity, he's the one. And Jesus said, if two or three of you, just two or three will gather unto me, I am will be in the midst of you. He's saying that's the Holy Spirit. Now when we give our lives to Jesus, and maybe some of you need to do that today. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. You've never done that before. Jesus is inviting you to do that. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. But that's not the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when the Holy Spirit comes Upon us. And that's totally different. It's been 46 years since I first encountered the presence of God in that Denny's restaurant. And I've discovered some things about the presence of God. The first one is, everybody has as much of Jesus as they want. If you want more of Jesus' presence in your life, you either have to be hungry or intentional. If you're hungry, you'll be driven to seek him. If you're not hungry, then we need to be intentional, which is what these 11 days of prayer and fasting are about. It's about being intentional. I feel like the Lord's challenged me and said, I want you to be intentional. Don't just go without food. Don't just diet. Be intentional about meeting with me. James 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And secondly, you have to be honest about what's really going on in your heart. Peter brought this out. You got to be honest because Jesus is the truth, he's reality. He doesn't dwell in phoniness. He wants the real issues here. And when we come to him, he wants us to be just honest. What's really going on in my heart? You can tell him. You can talk to him. He's so gracious. Hebrews 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart. And then thirdly, another way to increase the presence of God in our lives is to honor. First of all, honor God with gratitude. Thankfulness honors God as the source of everything and it's the atmosphere of increase. God loves to dwell with a grateful heart. Grumbling and complaining and negativity grieve the Holy Spirit and shrivel the presence of God but whenever I'm thankful about anything, it increases, it multiplies. We honor God with gratitude and, and then we honor one another. We celebrate who each person is without jealousy or envy or competitive selfishness. Romans 12 verse 10 says, outdo one another in honor. And wherever the Holy Spirit finds that, honoring God, hunger, honesty, honoring one another, he will manifest the presence of Jesus. Let's stand together. Maybe some of us here this morning who need to actually go home and make things right. Maybe we've had issues or attitudes or some type of interaction which has grieved the holy spirit and it's so simple to rectify it it's just acknowledging lord i was wrong i mary and i returned from north carolina and we flew and airports are a temptation for me because i like to hurry through airports And Mary has spoken to me so many times. She's been so gracious about it. Slow down. And and so we talk about it. And before we get to the airport, I have to say, Jesus, please help me. Just slow, slow. And, And he does. But as we were coming back, I don't like to be the last one in the immigration line. And so I was starting to pick up speed and, Mary said, hey, hey, slow down, slow down. Instead of just humbling myself and saying, you're right. Thank you. Who cares if I'm third in line or sixth in line? But instead of doing that, I said, you know, I'm really not going fast. This is my fast. I'm, I'm really actually walking quite slow. Mary was gracious. She never said anything, but... We got home, went to bed that night. When I woke up the next morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, that was defensive. That was actually arrogant. I said, you're right. I could have just said the other. So we made it right, but that's carrying his presence. That's what we've been called to do, carry His presence. And when the dove rests upon us, there's an awareness we have to carry. He so wants to manifest His powerful presence.